Connect Church this morning. We're so glad that you guys are here. My name is Terry Pierce. I had the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here for a really long time. And we are in a sermon series called The Gospel of Luke, God's Plan. We've embarked on a journey through the uh, study of the Gospel of Luke. It seems like it's been several years. It's really just been about a year. And uh, we're going verse by verse. We just preach the Bible here at Connect Church. That's what we live for. That's what we do here. And what we really do believe that we, God's purpose for your existence is God created you so that you would be his disciple. In essence, you would learn how to follow him. That's what a disciple is, and that's really all that we do here at Connect Church, is we want to make disciples, people who follow Jesus, who make disciples that continue to follow Jesus. That's really all we do at Connect Church. And, and here's how that sort of plays out and works in your life and mine. Now, you've got to come down to the rational question. If God's called me to be his disciple, then first of all, if I'm going to follow somebody, I need to know who they are. So it makes logical sense that if we really want to follow somebody, we want to know who they are. And so what we unpack for you guys each and every week is a little bit more about who Jesus is so that you're not following religion, you're not following denomination, you're certainly not following me, you're following Jesus because you're understanding who he is. And so in the Gospel of Luke, Luke is so, Dr. Luke is so uh, concentrating on this argument and this point that he says, I can't explain to you who Jesus is in one sermon. It's like unpeeling an onion, just layer by layer. He says, I can't just tell you who Jesus is in one chapter. Jesus is so big, I wrote a whole book, 24 chapters, that's going to explain to you and answer the question, who Jesus is. And so this is the question that we're answering for you guys. Did any of you all watch the movie? It's an older movie now. Uh, remember watching the movie, I, Robot? Anybody in here watch I, Robot? So, all right, we've got some sci-fi people that are cool nerds like me. Uh, and anyway, and so in that movie, if you remember, y'all ever heard of Will Smith? <laughs> in the movie, I, Robot, Will Smith is slapping around and beating the daylights out of a bunch of robots that he can't stand, and, and he's, you know, trying to figure out what they're doing to take over the world. This was before he slapped around Chris Rock. I mean, anyway, so uh, Will Smith is uh, he's slapping around a bunch of robots, and then they finally look at him, and they, you know, and he's just going through this, and he asked the question, and they said, and they look at him at the critical point of the movie, and they go, now that is the right question. And that is exactly where you're at today, I hope, is you're asking the question. The right question is, who is Jesus? Not what is religion, not what is, you know, what I want to have happen to me right after I get done with this service, but the question should be the right question, who is Jesus? As a matter of fact, we're going to help you unpack that this morning. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 17, and we're going to look at the next par paragraph in our journey. Don't worry, if you're new here and you didn't bring your Bible, uh, download it on your app. Uh, but uh, if you didn't, we'll have the words on the screen here in just a second, uh, so we're good with it. All right, so let me set up Luke chapter 9 for you guys in this way. How many of you guys love to go on vacation. Anybody in here? Uh, well, so how many of you wish you were there this morning? Anyway, uh, so I got you, I got you. Uh, some of y'all just got back from vacation. So real quickly, uh, tell me, what's your favorite vacation? So what? Uh, Arkansas. 
Nobody said ever. All right, anyway, uh, so uh, that is not even on the top 50. Uh, anyway, sounds like something to see. All right, so what is your, uh, besides, I can't even say it, uh, what is your other favorite vacation, uh, your real vacation? Where's your favorite vacation to go? The beach. All right, we've got a lot of beach people here. What else? We've got the mountains. All right, got some mountains. We've got some mountains and beach. What else? Do what? A cruise. Go on a cruise. Okay, all right. All right, so we got a few of those things. You realize that for some of you all, your dream vacation this morning, we'll start off with you mountain folks, is your dream vacation. We got a good friend of mine in the church. He's a deacon in Bob, Indiana, and they got this cabin that they, you know, got on their little whatever uh, thing every year that they go to. And their whole dream vacation is to go to Gatlinburg, get into that cabin, hunker down, and the most exciting thing they do all week is to drive to town and get the pancake breakfast house. You, you all know what I'm talking about. And so some of you all, uh, that is the most exciting thing that you're going to do on vacation. Now the rest of you, uh, you like that whole relaxing vacation thing. And so man, you can't wait to get to the beach. Man, you got your toes in the sand. You got Jimmy Buffett on the radio. And man, you got you a strawberry daiquiri virgin. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So see, some of y'all just thought right there, the preacher's going to get drunk on the beach with Jimmy Bubba, but I got it. Uh-uh, you ain't getting me fired today. I'm on my game. All right, so uh, we ain't got no alcohol. All right, anyway, preacher ain't drunk on the beach. All right, anyway, and so, uh, so where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, so you're relaxing, and you got your toes in the sand, and you're just at your dream vacation. But then there's a whole section of you all here this morning or listening online. And man, you ain't no boring Baptist. You certainly don't want to go to Arkansas. And uh, you, uh, you, you know, you're just, I don't want to go to the beach and I want to go to the mountains, man. I want to have some fun. And man, I'm looking for some fun. And so I want to go do something exciting. So your whole dream uh, vacation is, man, you, you're thinking about like what I got in an email this week. And this is more your style, your personality style. I got an email this week. How many of y'all want to go with me? And it's advertising to go river rafting for five days in Idaho. There's only 12 other people other besides us that would be there. 12 people, and the name of the river and the canyon is called Hell's Canyon. They said, man, you're going to be roughing it. You're going to be going down the river. I mean, you're going to be, how many of y'all in with me? All right, so we got, all right, we got some folks that want to go. Uh, y'all going to, you know, Canyon. All right, uh, anyway, and so your idea. But there's another exciting place, uh, depending on your personality style. There is another exciting place that is in the Bahamas, and it's named after the lost city of Atlantis, and they have an entire hotel that is inside of the hotel is a giant hotel water slide. And it has all of this stuff. So you got this hotel with a giant water park inside of it. And inside of the water park, I'm sorry, is a water slide. The water slide is built and so large that it resembles an Egyptian pyramid. So you start out in it and you wind through it. But now here's the interesting, exciting part is you're making your way through the water slide inside of the hotel Inside of the water park, inside of the water slide, is a, an aquarium. The whole time you're zipping around, you're looking at it, and they don't just have little bitty you know, catfish, Mississippi. They have man-eating sharks. 
They have all of the predator fish. So the whole time you're sliding through the pyramid, you're just having sharks like, you know, I mean, they're just wanting to eat you up and do all this stuff, man-eating fish and all this stuff. And the whole time, and then all of a sudden you shoot out at the end and you go, man, that was a close call. Now, some of y'all like, that, you know, I went in on that, on that, that vacation. The truth of the matter is, the lives that we're living here this morning, we feel like we're on that water slide. We feel like that everything else that is around us is trying to eat us, destroy us. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, is we're sort of like on that journey of through that water slide. And even some of us, it's like the aquarium sort of broke open. And man, we're getting bit. And some of the journey that you're on right now is painful. And you're experiencing pain and trauma in your life. Some of you right now this morning are going through circumstances in your life where the financial mess is the nicest word I can think of that we're in as a country is so devastating you right now that you're, you're literally have got tears because you can't make ends meet. I mean, things are screwed up. And it's a financial terror. Spiritual warfare. Some of you are like me. This, the last night, where man, I had a moment with God and had on the mountain, and then man, the devil just came out. And the devil's just like, he's just wearing you out. And some of you are in spiritual warfare. And some of us, because of your own stupid, sinful choices, let's just call it like it is. We don't, we don't beat around the bush here. And some of you are struggling spiritually because you just went in and you won't confess your sins and you're going to continue to struggle until you really get hungry for him. And then others, you're in a mental depression season. It's a season of your life that you're in. And for whatever reason, there's just a dark cloud over you. And you can be positive and think through it all you want, but you can't even, you're struggling to figure it out. And you really need his help to figure out, why am I so depressed? Some of you are going through physical challenges. We had um, um, our grandkids last weekend while Andrew and Ashlyn were off with uh, teenagers and, and doing all their stuff. And uh, we had them like Thursday through Sunday or Monday. And, and I'm not going to lie, physical challenges. One of the happiest days of my life was the day the kids came home from camp and Andrew and Ashland showed back up our house to get their kids. <laughs> I mean, we had a ball, but we were tired. And uh, they come over and, you know, like, you know, hey, we're going to cook supper. No, y'all need to just get the kids and go home. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, just, uh, I mean, we just needed a break. And, and so there's a reason God gives kids to people that are younger. Can I get a witness, grandparents? All right. And so anyway, uh, and so there's physical challenges going on in some of our lives. And some of you that are, have these kids, you're just emotionally exhausted. You're worn out. You're working full-time jobs. This stuff's not going right. You're, you can't afford gas. And you're just emotionally exhausted with kids that won't eat and sleep and all the things. And you're just tired here this morning. And the man-eating traumas that are around you, the sharks that are around you today, and here's the message out of Luke chapter 9 is simply this. Sometimes in the water slide of life, you're going to get bit. But know this, Jesus will provide a way through it. Because the water slide will come to an end, the season that you're in. And sometimes 
on the water slide of life, you need to know that God is going to show you all the stuff around you that's screwed up and messed up like it is today. But if you just keep being obedient to him, you're going to slide right through all that stuff and it's not even going to affect you or touch you. But either way, either way, he will bring you through. And you want to know why? Because God provides. God provides. And that's exactly what we're going to look at. So let me set up the reading of the text this morning, Luke chapter 9, and I wrote this down, and I want to read it to you so, because it's, it's just better, and, so, and I don't want to mess it up. Jesus came to earth to overthrow dominion, the dominion of evil, and, and you need to know this this morning. The reason Jesus came to earth was not to make your life sunshine and roses and, uh, and to bless you and your family. Jesus came to earth to conquer the dominion of evil and to reestablish his kingdom. Through his ministry, he exercised his authority to that purpose, but he always intended to replicate his ministry in us. He called 12 men to become his apprentice soldiers in the war against evil. He gave them opportunity day in and day out for three and a half years, y'all tracking with me, to watch and learn from him how to do ministry. And when it was all said and done, the 12, this is what their probably their daily experience was like. They took care of Jesus' schedule. They brought him food to eat. Watched as he did the ministry. They were his administrative assistant. And so they did all of these things, but now it's about to change. What we unpack in Luke chapter 9 is the time has come for the trainees, you and I, to put this into practice. It's where the 12 entered into the battle and fought alongside with Jesus, and he's calling you and I to do the same. I know y'all are tired, and, um, but I, I really don't want you to miss this, and I don't want you to go to sleep on this. It's a lengthy passage. Would you stand with me this morning as we read the word? And... Uh, I just, I, I think we need to do this this morning. All right, you ready? Luke chapter 9, verse 1. And he called the 12 together, and he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to cure diseases, and they sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said unto them, this is interesting, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whenever they, re- they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and they went to the villages. Now, this is the disciples preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now, Herod the Tetrarch had heard about all that was happening. He was perplexed because it was said by some that John had raised from the dead. By some, the Elijah had appeared. And by others of the prophets that old had risen. And Herod said, John, I, behe- uh, I beheaded. But who is this whom I hear such things? And he, sought, and he sought to see him. Now, look at me just real quickly and we're going to finish reading. Hang on. Now, I'm not going to have time to cover this little part of the paragraph uh, in the message today, but can I just give you a little personal, co- no, no charge. All right, so here's, the, here's my personal commentary on this part of the text. So Herod, and this is the only place that this happens, and so it's weird. And so Herod hears about what Jesus is doing, and he's already killed John the Baptist because he's terrified that he's, Herod is uh, the, basically like the ruler, uh, the Roman government official over that area. And so the politician hears about a threat that's happening 
through the church and through the power of God. So he says, I want to meet this Jesus. I already taken John the Baptist out. I, I don't know if this Elijah dude's come back from the dead or who this dude is, but I want to find out who he is. And basically, I want to kill him because he's a threat to me or whatever. Look at me this morning. I got news for you. It is high time in this country. This is why you need to hear this message. This is why churches like Connect Church need to be on, uh, on fire because I'm telling you what, it's time that the government stands up and listens to us when they hear the church is on fire and on the mission of Christ and they get a little nervous because they're scared to death that I'm telling you, Jesus is going to bring the answers that they ain't got. They're not solving our problems and they don't give a rip about you. But Jesus does. Just saying, no extra charge. Just thought I'd take that with you. Now what he says. Are <laughs> right, you ready? Okay. <laughs> and on the, and the new people are going, does he always yell like that? Sure. <laughs> and on their return, the apostles told them all that they had done. So they had a little meeting with Jesus and they reviewed about what had happened. And he took them and he withdrew to a part of the town called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned it, they followed him. And they welcomed them, and they spoke to the kingdom of God, and he cured all those who needed healing. And now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away, going into the surrounding villages and countryside to find a lodging and get provisions, for we are in a des desolate place. And now notice what he said unto them. You give them something to eat. And they're the disciples. They're like y'all. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. And basically paraphrased, there ain't no KFC. There ain't no Popeyes around here. What do you want us to do? Uh, and for those who were there, about 5,000 men. And we'll cover that. And he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And then he had them all sit down and he'd taken the five loaves and the two fish. And he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing over them. That's why you pray at your meal. Then he broke the loaves, and he gave the disciples to set before the crowd, and they all ate and were sad. It was picked up with 12 baskets of broken pieces. You may be seated. So if we follow Jesus, if we follow Jesus, remember the question, that's the right question, who is Jesus? If we're going to figure out who he is and follow him, you've got to realize that he's got a purpose and not only does he have a purpose for your life, he's going to give you the power to carry out that purpose. It's literally what you just sang. We sang him sort of in reverse this morning, but the last song that we sang this morning, go back and listen to it, is the purpose of why God created you. The power is in that third song that we sang this morning right after the baptism. And, and this is what Dr. Danny Aiken says about this argument that Jesus is making in Luke 9. Everyone who follows Jesus as Lord, write this down, receives this same purpose and power from the Holy Spirit. Y'all need to get this down. This isn't just for the disciples. This isn't just for the for deacons and leaders of the church. This is for you. Every single one of you in the building this morning, quit living like you're a second-class Christian. You understand this morning, God never, ever created First, second, or third class Christians, we all are on the front row seat with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Y'all could have quit believing that old religion, old school lie. So now here's the cool part. He is, if you follow Jesus, he will not only give you meaning in your life, but he's going to give you meaning for all of eternity. And so his disciples discovered his purpose, and then they experienced his power in their life. So what does that look like for you and I? 
What does that look like for you and I? So this past um, Thursday, I was meeting with the deacons. Uh, I've got, uh, we assigned last fall, uh, did something a little bit different, and I assigned uh, three deacons to staff members, and so they meet with them throughout the year, pray over them, hopefully every day. And so uh, my group of deacons and I met Thursday night at Kent Steakhouse in Saltillo. It was good. And uh, anyway, uh, so we were eating fish, and uh, we, we, we broke it for the sermon, and I multiplied. No, anyway, uh, and so, uh, so, but actually Davey paid for it because he's retired now. But anyway, uh, so we were, uh, we were eating fish at a steakhouse, and, and we just meet together. Uh, so it's Davey and Terry and, and Mike and, and and so uh, we're just sitting there and we're just having a good time. We're just talking. We prayed over our meal, prayed for each other. And we're just sharing about how life's going. And all of a sudden, this uh, young couple walks in. And, uh, and I recognize this dude. And I hadn't seen him since he was like in junior high. Well, I saw him once or twice in high school, but I hadn't seen him in a long time. But he was this kid that I used to coach here as a part of our church basketball team. For five years, I coached a group of junior high boys that was my youngest son's age, and we not only went and played churchly, but we went and played in school tournaments, and we went to Pontotoc and Hickory Flat, and we won, and then they wouldn't let us come back, but anyway, it was awesome, and, and so for five years, I had a group of, of boys that were like fifth grade all the way through into high school that I just coached basketball, and this kid, Ben Smith, was a part of that team. And so as soon as I saw him, my face lit up and he ran over and we just hugged each other because I did more than coach the team. I tried to disciple those group of boys and taught them not only basketball, but that Jesus loves them. And he said, uh, Ben grabs me and he says, so Brother Terry, how's Adam doing? And uh, they played against each other. Ben was a superstar uh, at, at South Tilla High School, played two sports and, uh, you know, went on college and stuff. And he said, so how's Adam? And he said, uh, I said, he's doing good, dude. I said, Adam's married. And then, of course, I'm grandpa, so I take out my phone. And I'm showing pictures of Parker, his son, and, and, you know, and all that. And I said, he's working for Overhead Door, goes to Donaldson Church, and uh, he leads a D group for the teenagers. And then he also has a D group, a discipleship group in their neighborhood. And I said, he just, he's doing good. God's blessing, dude. We're so thankful. I said, what are you doing, Ben? And Ben looked at me, and he said, uh, he said, yeah, here's my wife. And he introduced me to his wife. And he said, she's fixing to graduate, and I already have. And he said, and I'm working full time. I don't remember where he said he's working at. But he said, I've worked part time as a youth minister, making disciples of teenagers, sharing the gospel. And you know, at that moment, I was so, just so overwhelmed at realizing generational discipleship. And, and are you getting the picture? So now, Kent's Steakhouse in Saltilla. Get this picture of what God's doing at Connect Church. At Kent's Steakhouse in Saltilla is a group of old geezers who've been serving Jesus, leaders in the church, talking about what God's doing in our lives, praying over one another, and just holding each other accountable. And it's old guys that have been serving Jesus. Then I got these 20-somethings that are come up through the church who we discipled not just the old church school thing that, you know, we got to worship the old people and, you know, we, if we got to keep the lights on because if we lose another family, where our church is going to go, no, 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 not here. Not what God's design and purpose is, discipling another generation. And so I'm sitting there watching God carry out his purpose and his plan at this very church in, the, in, in Kent's uh, uh, fish house, a soul group, 
Now I'm watching these young guys in their 25s that are out doing ministry, that are making disciples, working full-time jobs, but serving Jesus where they're at, his purpose and power in their life. And then, oh, Mike Pruce says, well, let me tell you about what happened last week at teen camp. He said, Brother Terry, and, and he just lit up. He's on fire, and he says, Brother Terry, he said, I'm just telling you, the Holy Spirit was moving. We had, usually it's the girls that sort of get on fire, but he said this year, he said we had four of the Connect Church teenagers that responded on the final day of the messages there at teen camp, and they came, and they said, God, whatever you want us to do, we're giving our lives. We're going to serve you, and we're going to follow you wherever you want us to go, and four gave their lives to serve Service God for whatever he has them to do. You see, that's generational discipleship. That's old guys. Those guys in their 20s. And now we got a whole other group coming up. They're going to make disciples. That's God's purpose and plan for the church and his power. Isn't that cool? And so, folks, what it looks like for you is God has a purpose for you to go to work this week, for you guys to go to school. And for you guys to live on mission because there's somebody out there that he wants you all to talk to, that he wants you all praying over. And guess what? Y'all sitting there now going, ain't going to happen with me, blah, 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 because I can't do that. I'm no, you know, blah, blah, blah. Stop it. The same power that he gave to Ben and Adam, those four teenagers, and to that group of old guys sitting at Kent, Kent State Fish House, when I get it right, he gives to you. You and I are called to live out his purpose and his mission. And here's what it is. He gives us the power to do that. Look at the verse. And he called the 12 together and he gave them what? Power. The word translated in the Greek is dynamos. The word is dynamos and it simply means, you all write this down, power. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, and, and so uh, that's what it means. He says, I'm going to give you the power to do this. Now folks, y'all got to quit making it. What does it look like in your life and mine? Now look at me this morning. Do you all believe the Bible or not? Man, we go to conservative, yelling preacher, you know, old-fashioned, blah, 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 blah. Let me ask you all again. Do you all believe the Bible or not? So he says, if he gives you dynamos, power, then why in the world are you going back on God and not living this out in your marriages with your kids and in your service to Christ in children's church and nursery, when you're in children's church and you got your all's blue shirts on and you're sitting there thinking, you know what? Man, I am so sick of working in children's church. Every week that booger-eating kid comes. That kid that eats the booger and wipes it on the other kids. His parents obviously have never told that kid no. He's one of those, you know, trophy babies. You just participate and you're going to be a winner. No, that kid ain't. No way he's going to be a winner. Anyway, I'm just saying. But, but you know how we all do. You know, my kid's perfect. No, your kid ain't. Uh, and anyway, the truth of the matter is, is that you're in children's church and you're dealing with that booger eater. And then maybe you're in the nursery. And whoever that family is that brings that kid to nursery the kids poop four times in that hour. And you're, you're just like, good night. What did they feed that kid before he came? <laughs> Man, them pears are not good for him. And so you're just, and you're sitting there and you're changing poopy diapers and you've got the booger eater in children's church. 
And then let's just carry it a step further. You know, where in the world are you going with this one? Let's go. Let's go. Our deacons are getting nervous. Uh, and, and, you go to, and you go to your connect group. You know what? I just was in a connect group this year that we just didn't hit it off. And, and you know, they just didn't get me. And, and uh, I was in the group. And, and they didn't get my sense of humor. And, and, and you know, and, and, uh, you know I did, these people are weird because I'm cool. And, 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 you know, and you're just too cool for school. And so you're like, I'm just going to quit my connect group. Or I'm going to quit being the leader. Because, you know, this was just a hard year. And it blah, 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 blah. I'm going to quit the nursery because of the diapers, the booger eater in children's church, I'm out. The teens, you know, look at them. <laughs> yeah, don't do that again, Jacob. Anyway, and so all of this, all of this, and uh, my discipleship group, you know, I, I went to Brother Terry and Belen's discipleship ministry, and, and it was good, but, you know, I'm just no Belen or Brother Terry. <laughs> No, I said no one. But anyway, you know, I just can't do discipleship like they can. Nobody called you to do discipleship like them. He gave you the power to be who you are. Folks, the reason y'all are quitting and you need to, every one of you need to sign up to serve is because God has called you to a greater purpose than yourself. Look at me. Look at me. It's not about you. You change the diapers, you deal with the booger eater, you continue to do discipleship, you continue to go to small groups, not because you're comfortable. Now, if I hear one more time, well, I didn't get fed. Nobody said you were supposed to get fed. Jesus died on a cross for your sins and for mine. He rose again on the third day. And the reason I serve in the nursery, the reason I serve in children's church is because it did for me, not about me. Ashley and I are going to be meeting, and Andrew, about reminding you all. The reason we have our meetings is to remind you it's not about you getting fed when you serve. It's about because you want to make a difference in somebody's kid so that they can hear the gospel and have their lives changed. Amen? We've got to get back. Why do I do what I do? I serve his purpose with his power. And this is what happens when you guys figure this out. When we embrace the Lord's purpose, write this down, and power for us, it redefines our entire life and reason for being. You say, but Brother Terry, that, that sounds cool. But you don't know the mess I've been through. You don't know my circumstances. The reason I don't serve, the reason I'm not going to join a small group, blah, 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 blah. Because I just don't whatever. Stop letting the devil defeat you. You sign up for connect groups this fall. You join a D group. You serve because it's about him and he's gonna give you the power to make a difference every day where you go to work and where you live in retirement, whatever you're doing, he's gonna give you the power to live on mission. Ashley just uh, texted us a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember if it was at Dollar General, Walmart, or whatever it was, and she just was ran into a lady at the store, 
And they started a conversation and she told them about what we do with your journals and Bible studies and, and all of that. God is wanting to drop people like that into your life every day, but you're not being listening to the Holy Spirit. He wants to use you all. And I'm telling you, there's no greater satisfaction than living your life with his power working through you and all the people that you guys come in contact with. And you're saying, but again, but Brother Terry, I don't know, it's just not for me. There was a lady that sort of relates to you guys, and I was, uh, every week, uh, I get an email on Fridays about praying, it's called Voice of the Martyrs, and it's just praying over uh, strategically challenged areas of people that uh, get arrested and persecuted for, for following Christ. And uh, this week's prayer request was over a lady uh, that lives in Iran. And uh, this lady in Iran shares a story, and we're praying over her this week, and she said, I got arrested for preaching for telling people about Jesus because it's illegal in that country. And by the way, there's a reason why churches need to be in revival instead of just playing the old game of letting us die slowly. Because I'm telling you, if the church doesn't have revival, it ain't going to be too long before you're going to get arrested for believing in Jesus Christ as well. This is why we need to do this, guys. And so this lady gets arrested in Iran, and, uh, and she uh, gets put in prison for doing a discipleship group. And she's just like, and she cries out to God and says, and you know how y'all would do? Same thing as, as her? As God, here I am trying to serve you in this country that it's illegal to, to do whatever for you. And now I get arrested. Now all these people that I was witnessing to and helping, they're, they're not going to have anybody to lead them. And, and y'all ever sort of feel sorry for yourself and say, God, why? You know, this is the booger eater kid in her life. This is a situation that's not fun. It's not, you know, uh, productive. And she's like, God, why did you allow me to go to prison? And then the Holy Spirit, because this is the difference between understanding your purpose and your power. You see, she got back to Jesus and he said, can I use you anywhere you're at? And she realized and she became obedient and said, yeah, it's not just me being free. And guess what the power did in her life? Because she stayed on the purpose. She opened up, Kevin, a Bible study in the prison with women. She started leading women to Christ. And now they're talking about kicking her out of the prison because all the women are getting saved. Because that's what the power of God will do when we become obedient to letting him lead us and stay on purpose in our lives. So this is the message. The gospel not only saves a soul, but it gives purpose and power to a soul. This is what Jesus was teaching his disciples and sending them out. And as he sent them out, he said, I want you to take the gospel because it not only saves you, but it gives you purpose and power to everything you do. Look at the, again at the text in verse three. And he said unto them, take nothing for your journey. Now, this was an unusual way he did ministry. Let me explain this real quickly because this is good for us old timers. He says, in this occasion... I want you dudes to go out, and I don't want you to take a coat. I don't want you to take money. He said, I just want you to go out and learn. This was a training se session. Go out, preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons, and then I'm going to provide for you. Remember who is our great provider? Jesus. And so they do that. You know what? This is the only time in Scripture this happens. When we get to the book of Acts, he sends everybody else out and he says, you're gonna, the church is going to pay for your salary and they're going to do these things. Now, there's a, just a quick thought about this. Why does he do it differently here? I'm convinced, Chris, that Jesus knew us way better than ourselves. He knew that we would love to worship methods 
rather than his power. He knew that we would love our traditions rather than his power. So he says, this time I'm going to send you out. Nobody's going to pay your salary. I'm just going to miraculously provide for you. Later on in the New Testament, I'm going to send you out and the church is going to take up offerings and that's how we're going to support the ministry. So we need to quit getting hung up on, well, we used to do it this way and we used to do it that way. How about us rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and do it his way? That is so cool. So just a takeaway there. So what did the disciples go through that process? They learned a couple of takeaways. Prepare well, but travel light. Lighten up, but get tough. And invite the evaluation of people you trust and respect. I think that is so important. Get those three things, write them down this morning. Prepare well, but travel light. Lighten up and get tough. And invite the evaluation of people you trust and respect. And as you do that process, and this is what we do at Connect Church, is we evaluate our ministry This is why we have, tonight we'll have a connect groups meeting. This is why we have leadership teams and discipleship groups. That's why I'm meeting with the deacons. It's evaluating what we're doing and learning to bring Christ in his help and trust him. We need each other. This is why I meet with our leadership teams. How do we do this better together? Evaluation, people you trust and respect so they can pour into you and say, you know what, this is how you get better. That's why you need small groups. That's why you need discipleship groups. Now, moving on, we learn Jesus provides. So in the story, the guys come back real quickly. They meet with Jesus. They tell him all the great things that he's been doing. And then Jesus says, all right, that's cool. And now let's, and Jesus begins to preach. He preaches all day. Y'all think I'm bad? Jesus preached all day, all day. And uh, so now everybody's hungry. They're starving, about like you guys thinking, hey, we ain't going to beat the Methodists this week. And so they're just like you guys, and they're starving. And, and so notice what happens in the text. But he said unto them, you give them something to eat. See, I'll just stay here, because in a few minutes we're going to bring out two fish and five loaves, and I'm going to, no, no, all right, anyway, I don't have that. All right, but anyway, what we're going to do is actually we're going to go to the Mexican restaurant. I mean, anyway, and then you buy. Uh, but anyway, uh, so here's the deal. So they, so they gather around, and Jesus says, let's go feed these people. Now, real quickly, I think there's a point to all this. 5,000 men, that's just how they counted in the Bible days, but so we multiply the women and the kids, and it's at least twelve to 15,000 people are there. Jesus says, let's put them in groups of 50, and then you're going to feed them. So picture the disciples. You know what they're doing? They're Baptist leaders. They're going out there. They've got groups of 50 people, 15,000 people, and they're putting them in groups of 50, and Jesus said, just, and then we're going to feed them, and all they got is five pieces of bread and two fish, and then all of a sudden, they just keep doing it, and you know Jesus was teaching them a powerful lesson. He was teaching them that I'm the great provider. And they just continued to feed people. And the fish never ran out. And the bread never ran out. And then they collected 12 baskets left over. This is where Tanner gets excited in this story. Because Tanner, like nobody, he runs every Monday into the church refrigerator to see what was left behind. Anyway, and so they got, and interesting, notice they didn't have nine, they didn't have eight. They had 12 baskets left over. Have you ever thought how many disciples were there? God's the great provider down to every little detail that you and I have in our lives. And I'm just telling you, so what's the takeaway from all this? He was teaching them the message. I will provide for you. Trust me, guys and walk by faith. And it's the same message that you and I walk out of here with this morning. Jesus is saying, I will provide for you. 
trust me and walk by faith. Now here's what I want to give you quick, quickly, three takeaways, and then we'll let you go eat your fish. Number one, he had compassion for your circumstance. He has compassion for your circumstances. You need to recognize this morning that Jesus not only fed the hungry crowd physically, but Jesus, as we do his ministry, as we stay on purpose, we go by his power, you need to know he's going to provide for us. So don't give up. Hang in there with this. Stay with it. And I realized this morning that you need to, and, and here's what you're sitting there thinking. But Pastor Terry, I'm this young couple in the church. I can't get stinking baby formula to feed my kid. And, and this is what they're not telling you, and I get irate about this. But, you know, the government officials and your leaders tell you and the news media tells you, well, it's just $1.50. It's really not hurting you more per gallon. Here's the reality. If you were spending $300 a month on gas and you keep a budget, you're now paying $700 a month and doing the exact same amount of miles. That hurts, telling you that. And the truth of the matter is that some of you are mad this morning and you're not coming to church and you want to quit because where's God in all of this? Trust me, God wants to help us. But until our leaders and until I'm talking about in every part of this, humble themselves and call upon God. We're going to be screwed up and it's going to continue to be a mess. But know this, God understands the pain that you guys are going through and he has compassion and he wants to walk with us through this. And here's what he promises you and I, even in this troubling season that we're in, the Lord is my shepherd. And this is what I want you to write down today. I shall not want. He has promised that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things provided to you. And then here's my personal favorite, the one that I live by, 2 Corinthians 9 eight. And God is able, remember he's the great provider, he's able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. He is the great provider for you and I this morning. You realize it's all about your attitude and perspective. Do you believe that he is your great provider? Do you believe that he has compassion for you? I think we don't. Because we get all hung up about how miserable. Do y'all ever try to feed a little baby that um, is hungry? We had the grandkids and, and, and our youngest uh, grandson, um, we, you know, had the bottles. And so uh, when Owen gets hungry, he doesn't just sort of wade into it like, mm, not being, you know, you know, can't talk a bit. He's like, you know, mm, sort of need hungry. Now, Owen goes from zero to 100. Ah! I want milk. I mean, you can translate it. He's going, ah, but it's, I want milk. And, uh, and you know what Belinda did, my wife? She's talking to a baby who don't talk. He's screaming, and she's telling him, calm down, Owen. I'm going as fast as I can. Owen goes, I don't care, Nonaby. I got that milk on the oven, you know, or the microwave, whatever. We're warming it up. And Owen goes, I don't care. I want milk now. And the more she talked to him, the more he screamed. She didn't get a word of his advice. He didn't care. I want milk now. And you and I act like those babies when it comes to following God. All of a sudden, my finances go kaput. 
I got this physical problem in my life. The kids, my husband, my spouse, whatever, all this stuff goes south on us, and all of a sudden, what do we do? God, I want you to fix me now. God, I want answers now. God, do you even care about me now? You see, what Owen didn't realize is that Belen was fixing to take care of him, feed that poor little baby, and he was going to be just fine. Folks, we got to learn how to be patient and wait on God to bring the answers we need. And you know why? Because number two, he is in control over all creation. Y'all got to start believing in the mighty hand of God and that he wants to move in our lives and to demonstrate his power. Here's the thing that the disciples learned after the feeding of 5,000 is that the disciples will never be the same again because their only limit to their vision was a lack of faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, they forgot that he provides, he is in control over all of creation. Now here's what I want to close with. He has the ability to make provisions in your life and mine. If we really believe this, then I'm telling you our faith matters. Do you really believe that he has the ability to make provisions in your life and mine? You see, Jesus has given you a purpose. And this morning, he wants you to experience his power. And he wants you to know he is the great provider. But folks, y'all got to hang in there. Look at me this morning. Y'all got to keep the faith. Do y'all believe he is a great provider? Do you? I hope so, because he is. Do we not find ourselves a little bit like the story? A little girl was riding with her mom. And uh, actually, she was having a, just a mommy and daughter day. And uh, daughter was in the minivan, just her and mom. And they're going out for the day. It's going to be a good day, mom and daughter. And all of a sudden, she had a little trinket toy from a Happy Meal. And she's playing with a little trinket meal, and the mom's headed out for their whole daughter, mommy day. And the little trinket toy broke. And she's in the car seat. And y'all know what your kids do. She starts screaming. My toy broke. A little spring came out of it. My toy broke. And she gets so violent and so mad at the mom. The mom won't stop. And she goes, no, we're, gonna, we're, we're on a mission today. We have a purpose today. And she gets mad and she won't pull over. And the little girl gets mad because mommy won't pull over to fix the little bitty piece of crappy toy. And she takes it and she chunks it at the windshield. And all of a sudden it hits the windshield. And then she starts yelling, I hate you, mommy. I hate you, mommy. And the mom's soul was broken hearted. And you know, when you hear that story, you know what most of us old school parents are like, man, pull that car over and let's just beat that kid. You know, you with me? How many times do you do God the same way? And God doesn't pull the car over and he doesn't beat the living daylights out of you, but he should. Because something went wrong in your day. Your husband didn't say the right thing. The kids went off a little bit. Things didn't work out to your utopia. And what do you do? God, I quit. I'm going to quit the nursery. I'm going to quit children's church. I'm not going to do discipleship because these people don't blah, 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 blah. And you're just chunking the little toy at God and going, I hate you because you don't do what I want. You see, what the little girl failed to realize, what the little girl failed to realize is that mama was taking her out to eat that day.
She was going to take her out to Chick-fil-A. She's going to have the best dinner and lunch with her. She was going to take her to the toy store afterwards and buy her a toy that was worth ten times that little piece of, of trash toy that broke. He, he was, she was going to give her the nicest, coolest toy ever. And then she was going to take her to get ice cream. That was what was planned. And she ruined it all because of a little bitty moment in her life that didn't go right. I think God's brought us all down to this place today. He's saying, what's it going to take for you to quit? The devil's getting you all mad and getting you frustrated over little bitty junky things in your life. And the, really the problem is you. Is you're not hungry for him. You're not on his purpose. And you're not living by his power. And then you wonder why you don't believe that he can provide. God has a better life for you. He wants to bless you abundantly and give you more than you've ever dreamed or imagined. It's time that we humble ourselves and run to the great provider. Would you stand with me this morning? Your Heavenly Father, your spirit is so settled down on this place. What an important message and reminder that you've given us today. As we prepare to sing this verse of invitation, listen to me, my friend. If you're here today, you need to come back to an old-fashioned altar and say, Jesus, I believe in you. God, I come back to serve. I come back to your purpose. I come praying for your power in my life. I've been cold. I've been away. And I've quit everything. God, today, enough is enough. I will not let the devil steal my joy anymore. I run to the Father who has a purpose and power in my life. As we sing, would you run to Jesus? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.